Good evening and welcome to our Bible study. And this evening we're going to look at Revelation chapter 13, verse 11 through to verse 18. So let's read that passage together. Revelation 13, starting to read at verse 11. Then I saw another beast coming out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, but he spoke like a dragon. He exercised all the authority of the first beast on his behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast, whose fatal, fatal wound had been healed. And he performed great miraculous signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to earth in full view of men. Because of the signs he was given power to do on behalf of the first beast, he deceived the inhabitants of the earth. He ordered them to set up an image in honour of the beast, who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. He was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast, so that it could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. He also forced everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand or on his forehead, so that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark, which is the mark of the beast, or the number of his name. This calls for wisdom. If anyone has insight, let him calculate the number of the beast, for it is man's number. His number is 666. Let us pray. Our Father, again we come to you and we come to you to lean upon you that you might give us understanding of this passage that we've just read in your presence. And our Father, we ask that by your Spirit you might guide us and enlighten us to what it is you would have us learn this evening as we come to you in the name of Jesus. We ask these things. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, when we have a difficult task ahead of us, whether it's solving a problem with the car or putting together a piece of flat-packed furniture or preparing to answer a question in an exam, it's good advice to stop for a moment and to assess what we already know to be true. As we have started our journey into the second part of Revelation, we will be reintroduced to some of the things that we have read about in the previous chapters. But this time, it will be with a bit more information so that we can understand it a little bit better. And some of the things that we will see are things that have become the subject of much speculation. Now, the danger here is that we can begin to use our imagination to speculate about what we read instead of exercising our faith by trusting in God's word. So here's a well-known verse from Hebrews that will help us to accept this. Hebrews 11 verse 1 to 3. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed by God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Let me read that last little bit again. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. This means that we have to trust in God's word 
even when we don't fully understand what he's saying. If you go back to Revelation 12 and verse 9, and this is what we read, because we find here an explanation. It tells us what we know, that we know who the dragon is. And in this verse, we can learn a lot about who he is. This is what we read, Revelation 12, verse 9. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient snake called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. So what do we know? We know that Satan is the prince of this world. We know the result of the death and resurrection of Jesus will be the defeat of Satan. And we read this in John 12, verse 31. Now is the time for judgment on the world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. We know that John is relating to us what he sees in the same way that the prophets such as Daniel and Ezekiel spoke to the people of their day. We know that it is God who is still speaking through those prophets as he reveals the truth of things that we cannot fully understand. But it's done in a way that we can see something more of what is a much bigger picture. We know that the beasts are the the agents of Satan. And we need to see that God is showing us that he is sovereign. And that justice will be done. The victory over sin, Satan and death has been won. But in the meantime, Satan in his limited time and with his limited power is in the business of turning the world against God. That's why we read, he leads the whole world astray. The whole world, well, the whole world except who? Except the faithful. Revelation 13 verse 8 says this, All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life, the Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. So this means that all the inhabitants of the world, apart from those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life, will be free. At the same time, Satan will try to cause as much damage as he can to the faithful followers of Jesus. Now, let's just stop a moment and ask a question. How does he intend to do this? How will he lead the world astray? Well, what he'll do and what he does is he offers the world alternative ways of satisfaction. He does this by leading mankind into putting their trust in the material things of this world. So the people will have faith in such things as financial security, wealth, personal fame, political power, things that are of themselves part of life, but things that can be corrupted in a way that they will become the things that people will turn to as they turn away from God. And you know, when these material idols fall, when things begin to fail and disasters come, 
Ironically, many who have previously refused to acknowledge God's authority will blame God for the state that the world is in. How will he cause damage to the faithful, to the church? Well, we're told by sending false prophets. These false prophets who offer a distorted and a dishonest representation of the one who is the way, the truth and the life. This is what Jesus was warning us about in Matthew 24, verse 23 and 25. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here's the Messiah, or there he is, do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you in advance. Do you notice that phrase? If possible, even the elect. That is the faithful. That is God's church. The false messiah is a demonic counterpart to Christ. A counterpart who takes his authority from the dragon. Remember Jesus' words to the Pharisees when he accused them and he said, you are following your father the devil. Jesus meant those words when he spoke them because they were true. Christ's authority comes from God the Father. Well, where should we go in order to understand the book of Revelation? Well, we start with what we know to be true. We go to God's word, the Bible. God still speaks to us today through the words of the Old Testament prophets. God is the one true God, the God of creation. Have you ever seen God in person? The answer is no. But you can see the results of his handiwork in creation. God is our Heavenly Father, the one who sent his Son to save the world from sin. You can see God's power and God's love when you look at and you consider the death and resurrection of Christ. Do we see Jesus in person? No. But we can see him in the results that he has on the lives of those who trust in him. Where do we go to see and hear the words of Jesus? We go to the Bible. Let's just, for a few moments, um, consider these verses from the Gospels. Just a few. Matthew five seventeen. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. These are the words of Jesus telling us why he came. Matthew 2 verse 23. And he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, that he would be called a Nazarene. So Jesus is confirming that the, the prophets are true. Matthew 7, verse 15. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. John is reminding us of these things in the book of Revelation. Luke 24, verse 44. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. 
Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. So that's Jesus telling us that the answers that we need to look for are found in his word. You can know Jesus through his words and through God's words. And as we consider how God speaks to us through the words of John in the book of Revelation, listen to what John writes in his gospel. And here, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. What's he doing? He's preparing them for what lies ahead. So as we read these words, words that you'll be familiar with, but let us read them as if Jesus is speaking to us. Let Jesus speak to us, who the people who were living in those days that he was speaking about. John 16, verse 1 to 11. Jesus to his people, you and I, in 2022. All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue, in fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I didn't tell you this from the beginning because I was with you. But I am going to him who sent me. None of you asks me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. You see, the disciples were grieved when they heard these things that were ahead of them. And as Jesus speaks to them in those words we've just read, he's speaking to us. And as we continue in those words, we pick up verse 7 of this passage in John. And He's now speaking to us, but very truly I tell you, it's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. This is the gift of the Holy Spirit who is here for us in our day. And in the early days of the disciples, after they received the gift of the Holy Spirit, and then verse 8 of this passage in John, when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the Prince of this world now stands condemned. Do you see the relevance of these words to us as we look at the book of Revelation? <clears throat> we have seen in Revelation 13 that the prince of this world has been given power and great authorities and he's given that power and authority to the beast from the sea so that he can make the whole world worship him, worship Satan. But he shows his true identity, it's revealed in that he will blaspheme God, he will slander God's name on earth and in heaven. And he will wage war against God's people. And because this has been happening since the death and resurrection of Jesus and continues on into our day, we're told that this calls for what? Patience, endurance and faithfulness on the part of God's people. So let's carry these thoughts with us as we look at our passage for this evening where we're introduced to a second beast, remembering that we will see the manifestation of the efforts 
in the lives of those who insist on rejecting the authority of God. We see that in the days which we live. We will also see here in Revelation the emphasis on the introduction of false doctrine into God's true church. So those verses that we read, Revelation 11 through to 17 in verse 13, let's just look at them together. Verse 11, when I saw a second beast coming out of the earth, it had two horns like a lamb, but it spoke like a dragon. It exercised all authority of the first beast on its behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been sealed, had been healed. And it performed great signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to earth in full view of the people. Remember the first beast, he came from the sea. This second beast comes from the earth. The fatal wound that's referred to could be a reference to Genesis 3.15, where we read, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. This second beast, by imitating the Lamb of God, is enticing the world to follow the first beast, who is drawing the world away from God by causing the world to idolize Satan. The world doesn't realize this. Because what is really happening is, as they believe the lies that will ultimately lead them to destruction. We read on in our passage, because of the signs it was given power to perform on behalf of the first beast, it deceived the inhabitants of the earth. It ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. The mortal wound alludes to being an imitation of the death and resurrection of Jesus. The resurrection of Jesus leads to a life of everlasting. The life that the beast offers is a life that leads to judgment and condemnation. The second beast was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that the image could speak and cause all who refuse to worship the image to be killed. You know, if you think about it, this is reminiscent of Daniel chapter 3, where Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego refused to heed the words of Nebuchadnezzar as they risked death rather than bow down to his image. And when we hear that the image speaks, remember that false signs and wonders are being used here, used to entice people away from God, just as in Exodus 7 verse 11. We read this, Pharaoh then summoned the wise men and sorcerers and the Egyptian magicians, and they also did the same things by their secret arts. So just as the wise men and the sorcerers and the Egyptian magicians were able to mimic some of the signs that God gave to Moses, but unlike God's power, their power was limited. They could only mimic things to a certain point. 
they couldn't match what God could do. Verse 16 of our passage this evening, it also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads, so that they could not bow or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. Satan here continues to mimic the holy things of God. He does it by putting a mark on those who worship the beast. Why? To indicate that they belong to him. This is a counterfeit mark, mimicking the seal that God has put on those who are his. Remember what God said to the angel in Revelation chapter three, uh, chapter 7 and verse 3. He said, do not harm the land or the sea or the trees until we put a seal on the foreheads of the servants of God. What is this seal? This is the seal that the faithful have received by the bloodshed on Calvary's cross. That was applied to the believer and is still being applied to the believer. And it is a seal for eternity. And this is given when Jesus rose from the dead. And this is given to each believer who puts their trust in Jesus. The wound on the beast that appears to have been healed is a false claim of new life that he offers. But this life is a life that leads to death. Revelation 13 verse 18. This calls for wisdom. Let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. That number is 666. You know, many have tried to decipher this number to reveal a name that could identify the Antichrist. Could it be that we should try to understand it as being a confirmation that Satan is attempting to lead the world away from God by deception and lies as he masquerades as an angel of light? We know that Satan is evil, he's far from perfect, and he doesn't have complete power. In scripture, the number seven speaks of completion. For example, the creation of the world was completed in seven days. At the beginning of Revelation, we have the seven churches mentioned, and they are here mentioned as representing the complete church of God. Number six is seen as being the number that represents man. Maybe the number six being repeated three times is to emphasize the fact that it's incompleteness. It's not seven. And by being repeated three times, could it be that this is a claim by Satan to a deity of being God representing the false claim? A false claim of the true claim of who God is. The Godhead, the three in one. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. 666 is the mark of a counterfeit saviour that identifies the allegiance of those who are following the ways of the one who is masquerading as God.
in the language of Revelation, we're seeing a contrast between the original and the counterfeit. Let's just think about these few things this evening as, as we compare the Lamb, the Lamb of God, and the first beast, and Satan. What have we read so far in Revelation? Well, both the Lamb and the beast were slain and were claimed to rise to new life. Revelation 5, verse 6, first part of that verse. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. Revelation 13, 3, the counterfeit. One of the heads of the beast seemed to have had a fatal wound, but the fatal wound had been healed. Okay. Both have followers with their names written on their foreheads. Revelation 14, verse 1. Then I looked, and there before me was a lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with the 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. Revelation 13, verse 16. Speaking of the beast, it also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands and on their foreheads. Both have horns. Revelation 5, second part of verse 6. The Lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Revelation 13, verse 1. The dragon stood on the shore of the sea, and I saw a beast coming out of the sea. It had ten horns and seven heads with ten crowns on its horns, and on each head a blasphemous name. Both have authority over every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. Revelation 7, verse 9. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. Revelation 13, verse 7. This is about the beast. It was given power to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. And it was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. Both receive worldwide worship. Revelation 5 verse 9. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God's God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. Revelation 13 verse 4, the beast. People worshipped the dragon because he had given authority to the beast and they also worshipped the beast and asked, Who is like the beast? Who can wage war against it? Just as we draw to a close this evening, and there's a lot to take in here from these few verses, but to sum things up, the dragon has the authority over the beasts. The first beast carries out the plans of the dragon. The second beast endorses the first beasts and encourages the worship of the first beast. The purpose is for the whole earth to worship the dragon, the dragon who is Satan. Just as we 
close this evening, a word of encouragement from Jesus. This is a word that John brings to us in his gospel. Remember, John is also the writer of this book of Revelation. Well, John 16, verse 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for those encouraging words from you when you could say, I have overcome the world. And our Father, help us to rest in your peace as we consider these disturbing things in the book of Revelation. Let us remember you are in control. And we thank you and praise you for that. And we do it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. So, remember, by faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. We can say amen to that. So that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. These things we see in Revelation are not always visible, but they can be explained so that we could recognize them. And we can say, Amen to that.